Hello everyone, this is Hannah, your host, and you are listening to the Success is Routine podcast. Our show is on a mission to talk to leaders in life and business that have achieved success and to learn what their routine is. If you are ready to create your routine to success, you're in the right place. Now, let's get started. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Success is Routine podcast. I'm super excited to have on the show, George Brewa, founder of Dynavap. He is going to be sharing his story and his routine and his success. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Hannah. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And I'm excited because I know success is going to be a little bit different than most of the conversations we've had. But before we get to the end, which will be the success, let's talk about the beginning of how you kind of got started in business and, you know, your background a little bit and what you do. Okay. So I'd say my beginning was more out of a means to an end than anything else. Uh, from, From the very beginning, as far back as I can remember, I've had this urge and this drive to create things. Uh, when I was a bit younger, I thought that, oh, maybe someday I'll get a job uh, working from some larger company in a research and development lab. Mm-hmm. When it became apparent that that wasn't going to happen because uh, I just didn't have the qualifications that uh, most companies that might have a lab that'd be interested in working were looking for, my choice became very clear. Okay, I need to find a way to create my own R&D lab. And so uh, that that was a pretty uh, interesting moment in my life when it's like, okay, if I want to do something that's important to me, I need to make the decision to make that my priority and take the reins and become the person responsible for making it happen. And I love that. I love that. You know, I kind of think of my own story a little bit here because I never planned on doing what I did. I never planned on owning a business. And so you never planned on being the one that owned the business either. So that's really neat to hear. And so what was that kind of like? Like, did you have family that you're around that you kind of saw do this? Or like, how did you so, go, hey, I'm going to be my own R&D? It, it was kind of an, in, an interesting development because when I think back to when I was uh, much younger, like in elementary school, you know, I, I think back to my father who was running his business. And, you know, I, I don't mean any uh, disrespect when I put it this way, but from the perspective of a young child, all I could see is, oh, he's always at work. Yuck. Why would anyone want to have their own business? Mm-hmm. Right? So it, it took me a little while to come to the realization that, you know, having your own business is actually one of the most empowering things that a person can do. Mm-hmm. But it's not really communicated that way or taught that way, at least in any of the schools that I was part of when I was growing up. It was always about, what are you going to do when you grow up? What kind of company do you want to work for? Mm -hmm. What's what's your dream job? Not, do you want to start your own business? No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Those questions just weren't asked. And uh, I I think it was kind of unfortunate. So when it became clear that uh, I wasn't going to be able to land that dream job, at least not likely or not practical or not without a whole lot of effort to try and find it. And then as I dug a little bit deeper, it's like, oh, but that dream job means I would be doing what someone else wants me to be doing mm-hmm. with minimal opportunity to be pursuing the things that are actually interesting and important to me. Yes, I might be doing research. I might be developing things, 
but what am I going to be developing? Chances are something that uh, is not nearly in an, in as much alignment with the things that I care about as if I was the person making those decisions. And so that revelation uh, was probably one of the more impactful moments in my life when it became extremely clear that, okay, if I really want to have a satisfying experience in my life in terms of an occupation and the ability to pursue things that I care about, there's only one person that's going to be able to make that happen. And that was you. And that is me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's kind of really interesting hearing your story because I keep seeing a ton of parallels in my my life. And I'm like, that's probably why we got connected and we had such a good conversation because I originally went to art school and I was like, I can't do this. I can't just do art. Other people keep telling me to create. And so that's why I left art school. <laughs> because And what you are is, you know, an artist in a, in a way of inventions and creation. And it was kind of like, you need to be able to create your own thing. And so I love that you kind of saw that. And, you know, that it was that correlation between, okay, if I really, truly want to create things and I had this overwhelming desire to do so, the only way I could see that that was going to happen is if I found a way to provide myself the opportunity to mm -hmm. solve the problems, to find some way to then motivate other people to want to join forces and, and kind of share that vision. And that was kind of the second conclusion that I came to uh, that really started to hammer home uh, some of the things that I think we'll get into in terms of the routine. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'll preface it this way, probably the number one most important thing that I've had to incorporate into what I'm doing and try and do my best to make it my routine is to be grateful for the people around me because yeah. it became extremely clear after I was successful and able to get one, two, three, four people to start to dedicate some of their time and some of their life to helping me pursue my goals. Okay, so these people are actually sacrificing their ability to go after you know, their own personal things so they can join in my adventure to help me go after some of my things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if I'm not grateful for these people, and if I don't find ways to reward them other than monetarily, and ideally assist them with other resources to help them pursue the things that they care about, it's just not going to work. It's not going to take off. Yeah. Um. I know I keep saying this, but each time, every time you talk, I'm like, this is why we're talking. <laughs> Our values align so much in that people are your greatest asset in anything you do, regardless of the type of company. So I'm super excited to kind of talk and hear more about how you've implemented their goals into kind of like your business routine in a way. But before we get to that side of it, um, one question I want to ask is, did you have any routine that you saw kind of growing up, whether it was something you did or something you saw your parents do or people around you that kind of influenced you being able to create a routine in your life? Absolutely. So oh, I can remember hearing stories um, from my grandparents you know, about my father who decided one day that he wanted to join the, the school band and they weren't exactly thrilled about it. Mm -hmm. So 
I think in the interest of discouraging him, they said, that's fine. Okay, we'll go along with it. However, you will practice every single day before you do anything else. Okay. <laughs> and so, as an avid outdoorsman, he actually liked to get up early and go uh, out on the lake before school. So he would have to get up early at like Man. four o'clock in the morning and practice his trumpet. Oh, because he couldn't go out on the lake he until couldn't he go do anything until he practiced his trumpet, and it was mm -hmm. a requirement, which maybe slightly backfired for <laughs> his parents because now they have that early morning practice routine to listen to. It's one of those things that consistently happened. And mm -hmm. when we consistently do these things, we develop these skills and we understand the nuance of whatever it is that we are routinely engaging in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it, it was one thing that has stuck with me of in, in kind of a very uh, impactful way. Yeah, no, I love that because he had a goal of being able to play the trumpet, join the band, and they said, hey, you have to do this. And so he created that routine to be able to get that goal. And so did you have any routine like growing up or even, you know, before you got into the business and got a new routine kind of started? What was that like for you? A massive struggle. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm a person that, especially when I was younger, uh, I was the antithesis of routine. Okay. okay. Because of... I'd say largely because I didn't understand the value of it. Mm -hmm. And I would also say it was because of, uh, for whatever reason, I was a, a little bit uh, anti-establishment, right? Uh, oh, no, you want me to do that? Okay, now I don't want to do it. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, so if anything, being a bit rebellious. So even just getting up and getting ready for school was a bit of a battle. And because mm -hmm. for me, you know, school was not an enjoyable experience for the most part. Uh, it just wasn't a good fit. So I was battling the routine and battling the routine and not understanding the value. So if anything, I had to go through all the mud to understand that I could have just walked across the bridge. <laughs> yes, definitely. And so what was the thing that kind of helped trigger you to know, hey, I need to create this routine that works for me and it doesn't have to be a structured routine of you woke up at 4 a.m., played the trumpet, and then went on the boat. But what was that switch for you to jump into your routine? So I think one of the biggest things for me was when it became clear when I was effectively in my late 20s, took me a while, right, <laughs> uh, that if I was going to achieve the things that I aspired to achieve, to be able to you know, travel the place I wanted to go, to be able to create the things I wanted to be working on that just had whatever it might be, the appeal. I had to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. And a big part of responsibility is accountability. Uh, uh, you know, and, and of course, it's the opposite of irresponsible, right? Because who likes to be around an irresponsible person or a person, I like to put it this way, a person that doesn't have, isn't responsible or doesn't have responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. they, they tend to be problematic. Okay, well, I need to start with myself and I need to become a bit more responsible, not only to myself, but to everyone around me to make sure that uh, at a minimum, 
the things that I have some control in my life are stable. Because when you're not responsible and you're not accountable, what are you doing? You're spending a whole lot of your time and your effort cleaning up the mess that you unintentionally have created because you're acting irresponsibly. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think, one of the one of those breakthrough moments for me. It's like, okay, I'm where I'm at because of the choices that I made and because of the fact that I just wasn't paying attention to what the universe was telling me that I needed to do. Yeah. And that's a really hard truth to look at and kind of internalize, I think, too, is to really self-reflect on that. I, I was, uh, especially as a younger person, I found that understanding problems and solving, we'll call them technical problems, was very, very easy for me. Mm-hmm. So it gave me, I'm going to say, a bit of a misguided sense of confidence that if, why do I need to do what everyone else is doing? I can solve that problem. I can figure this out. And all it did was hold me back. Mm -hmm. The reality is, yes, I could solve the problem. Yes, I could figure it out. No, I didn't need anyone else. But that has a very low ceiling because Mm -hmm. without anyone else to assist, you have to be reasonably good in an extremely wide range of things, which is possible. But what that means is it means you can't be exceptionally good at anything. And I think the true uh, element that really determines success is being exceptional at at least one thing in conjunction with the ability to work with and coordinate with other people to fill in the gaps and the things that you're not good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is very powerful right there because that is what we need. And I think a lot of business owners probably struggle with that because, you know, we struggle with delegation because we want to have that control of being able yes. to do all the things. Yes. But at the and end of the day, things done our way, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. When the reality is, you know, even though we were going to paint the walls a shade of blue and we just asked someone to paint the room and it came back in its a shade of gray. Is it really going to impact our ability to move forward? The walls are dirty, need to be painted. And mm-hmm. you didn't have to do it. And now that person's happy because they were empowered with the ability to make the choice and to get the task done. And they got the satisfaction of not only you empowering them, but of them completing that task, which then invigorates them to mm-hmm. want to do more. Which yeah. kind of another really interesting conclusion for me is that, especially in the early days of just having one or two employees, uh, I found myself wanting to, no, no, not like that, like this. Mm-hmm. But then I learned the pause button. It's like, wait a minute. Is the thing that they're doing still achieving the objective? Mm-hmm. And so that became my litmus test. And if the answer was generally yes, even though in my own internal arrogance, I think my way would be better. Mm-hmm. Is my way so substantially better that it's worth effectively taking away that sense of satisfaction from that person and redirecting them, making them feel like I'm micromanaging them? And just because I think my way is better? No, in most cases, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that kind of reminds me of like math <laughs> where you have to show the work. But some right. teachers want you to show the work how they told you to show the work, even if you got the right answer. 
And yes. that just like really simplifies what you said. <laughs> I think what you said is so true in being able to empower that team and taking a step back and doing those different things. So yes, thank you for sharing like that little right there definitely has me thinking of the things that I'm doing in my day to day and out in work and family and all the things. And sometimes, you know, not needing it to be my way if it still achieves the objective, like you said. This that right there, I think, was one of the more significant breakthroughs for me. And it, it didn't sink in until I was effectively responsible for four or five other people. You know, mm-hmm. as business was growing, I now had employees. You know, I started the business. They were working for me. But that's not quite the right perspective. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was the responsible one for the business. But when I switch the words around a little bit and say that they were working with me, okay, that means they understand what the objective is. And if they don't, it means I haven't done an adequate job explaining what the objective is. And as the person that was responsible for overseeing that the objectives were getting taken care of, it became very clear that I needed to empower them with the ability to kind of take control, mm-hmm. not only because it's good for them, but it's also good for me and good for the business to see, okay, how much capability, how much capacity does this person have? Because if we're constantly micromanaging or re-explaining or redirecting a person, even over minor details that if they went left versus right, but still got to the same objective in, in a similar level of efficiency, well, we're wasting our time and theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes their path is actually better, but we can't see it until we get out of the way and let them show it to us. Yes, 100%. I agree with everything you said. And uh, honestly, I could probably talk about team and culture and kind of creating those things all day long. And so I'm going to jump us over to routine. Otherwise, I know I will sit here and listen to you all day, Jordan, talk about those things, because that's one of my favorite things is like, especially leadership. And for me, it's always in that virtual world. And so I'm always listening and learning from it. But let's talk about your routine. So what is that routine that has got you to success? And I know some of it will still fall into, you know, the employee and team leadership realm. Sure, sure. Well, there's a few things that come to mind. Uh, One of the first ones is to modify, uh, I think, something that a lot of us are dealing with on on a regular basis, and that's the email routine, right? Mm -hmm. Because if if you're part of a business, whether you're an owner or not, chances are, you have an email relative to the matters going on in that business. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that as I was reading through various different books and, and starting to try and understand, oh, how am I supposed to be dealing with this? The emails are piling up, accounts getting full. Uh, I was scanning through, looking for the relevant ones, not opening the ones that weren't relevant. Inbox is just filling up with garbage, as well as a nice sprinkling of relevant, important information that I tended to miss. So, made a decision. Okay, I'm going to ensure that my email box is at zero, at least once per week. Mm-hmm. Not a huge goal, but an important one. And in conjunction with that, I also made it a point to 
not spend a huge amount of my day checking on email and communicating to the people that I'm working with that, okay, if you need something from me, email is lowest priority. Mm-hmm. Text message is number two. And if you really need something right away, if you're not calling me, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Right? So just to help communicate and establish what the priority is. So I changed around my routine of kind of haphazardly checking email anytime I had a free moment and not completely clearing out my email box to completely clearing it out, aiming for about once a week, communicating to the people that I'm working with that on average expect about a 36-hour turnaround time. Mm -hmm. Really, it's better than that. But I wanted to set the expectation correctly that if you send me an email and you're expecting a reply in an hour, there's a good chance it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure that we're clear in terms of the best way to communicate. So that helped me stay focused on my tasks because I found, especially with myself, that when I'm doing work, the tasks that I think I really bring the most value to our company, which is the product design and the development, sometimes I need to focus specifically on that with no distractions, uh, sometimes for hours on end. Mm-hmm. And not allowing people to distract me helps. Uh, And so the other half of this uh, that I think was really started to help amplify my ability to get things done was after the uh, family would go to bed, that was my time. And so my development routine would generally begin around 10.30 p.m. when I no longer had anyone else to interface with. So mm-hmm. I was free of responsibility and accountability to interface with other people. The expectations for responses, whether it's phone call, text message, or email, they're completely off to the side. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that time of the day from the perspective that once I get moving on a project and I'm starting to make progress, it's invigorating and it's energizing. Mm-hmm. And unless I have something really urgent coming up the following day, I have effectively the entire night, you know, a whole nother shift that I can work if I choose to, if I'm making such good progress that I don't have to lose my momentum or change or shift my focus and run the risk of getting distracted because I'm very easily distracted. We all are a little bit, I think, so right there with you. But I love how you created those boundaries of time where this is my time to work and then put those orders. I love that you prioritized it, um, especially that you get your email box down to zero. So when I first started like getting a ton of email and I remember being as an apprentice and like, if I got one email, I was like stoked. And then if I got, you know, more than one that day, I got really excited until I became the CEO of that company. And then my email was dramatically constant and I was no longer yeah, never got excited for an email again. And so a funny, funny story though, is I used to make sure that my inbox was lower than my age. And every year I got to have one extra email by the end of the day. <laughs> and so that's how I did it. <laughs> but okay. I like that you okay. get it down to zero. That's probably much more efficient than keeping it like, you know, a handful well, in there. It, it just became really important to ensure that I haven't missed anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what it was. Make sure that I've got it completely clear. And if I'm getting annoyed with the amount of 
junk that's in there, okay, find a way to filter it out so mm-hmm. I can stay focused on the things that matter. And that, that that's another tidbit that I'm disappointed in myself that it took me until I was well into my 30s to figure it out that, okay, yes, there's a whole lot of things that I can do, but if I don't stay focused on the things that I'm really good at doing and find some way to work with other people to fill in those gaps, I'm stuck and there's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to progress. I'm not going to just magically get discovered, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's that illusion that I think many of us that think we're capable of doing great things that we have in our head that, well, I just got to, I just got to wait until someone discovers how amazing I am. No. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. And even as the stories that you think are that way, there's so much more to the story than we typically ever hear. I definitely know that in the podcasting world here that we're in, like a lot of people want to run a podcast, like, oh, I want to start a podcast and get all these followers. It doesn't work that way though. But we don't see that because we see the podcast that do have all the followers already. Right. And we're like, oh, well, they did it. Now I can do it. And you can, everybody can, can. but there's lots of work that you have to put behind it. That's, that's not what's just... not visible, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's what's not visible to the people that haven't. Yeah. Or whatever that is that they haven't done, it's so easy to see success. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to see what it took to get there. Yeah. And of course, there's always exceptions where you see people getting lucky. But uh, I'm a big fan of the, the statement, luck favors the prepared. And mm. being prepared takes work. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> because going into any situation prepared. And so I, I don't know if you watched Survivor, but we watched Survivor. And just last night, the kid on the show was like, always go into a situation prepared. And he literally built every puzzle that he's ever seen on the show and practiced it up until getting on the show. And so he's oh. able to solve puzzles in like minutes where other people takes hours to do. Interesting. But it all came down to preparation. That's what you talked about, how going to every situation, being prepared. And I love that. And I love that you kind of like connected it right there because like success doesn't happen by luck. Like, and no. if you're lucky, you're prepared for that luck somehow. Well, the, and I think that's just a big misnomer. Again, just like waiting for someone to magically discover how amazing you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you're not amazing. Okay. But... If you truly want to be amazing, well, you have to focus on a little bit more than yourself. You need to focus mm-hmm. on, on building that team of people around you. And they don't even have to be employees. And, and this is a, another conclusion that it didn't resonate with me until I was into my 30s. And that's, okay, success for me means that I not only have to get my business going, it means I need to find a way to ensure that the people around me that aren't even part of my business are not going to be holding me back, causing me problems, and ideally want to find ways that they can contribute and support, even if it just means, uh, hey, I got to work late tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, can you maybe stop by and take care of fill in the blank for me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Making sure that you've got that support network of people that have a reason or an incentive or a desire to want to be helpful. And sometimes I think this network of people in your life 
uh, surrounding any successful person, they're the unsung heroes that just aren't seen or visible. You know, they're not the the the, the C-suite operators in the business, but they're really damn important because mm-hmm. if those people aren't in your life filling in those gaps, picking up your kids when you can't make it, whatever it might be, well, then you can't be part of whatever it is that you were going to be doing that might be setting up that next business deal or opportunity. Yeah, living in that community again and creating your own communities that you're actually a village of this. That's really what it's become clear to me that success is. Success is not a business that makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. That's a benchmark, okay? Success is the ability to do the things that matter to you. Mm -hmm. And how does that look? How does that work? Well, if you've got a nice network of people around you, which hopefully uh, if you've got family members, they're part of it, that they enjoy having you around and they enjoy helping out. Why? Because you ensure that they do by making sure that you're giving them the support that they're looking for, that you're assisting them in ways that aren't maybe as easy for them, but they're a piece of cake for you. This is why having that uh, ability where you can be exceptional in just one or two regards, now you can utilize that exceptional skill to really make somebody's day. Mm-hmm. And now they want to assist. Yeah. Yeah. It's building that team where you're each other's support system. It's not one-sided and they're they're cheering you on throughout everything you're doing too. And so, which, which gets me to another thing that I think would really contribute to the whole concept of the routine. So mm-hmm. earlier in the business, uh, because our business uh, is situated around a product that is very difficult to market, mm-hmm. okay? because uh, you know our products are generally sold and, and utilized by people in the cannabis space. Mm-hmm. So one of the challenges that I was trying to figure out, okay, how do we progress? Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's not going to be through advertising at least not in the traditional sense. So it became my objective to find a way to connect with my customers and empower them with something that they want to share our product with their friends and their family. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't likely to be a monetary thing, you know, discount code or some of these other, you know, typical tactics that are employed by a lot of businesses. So, I would spend a significant amount of my time every day when I would get home from work uh, going to some of the various forums where people were talking about some of the products that we were manufacturing and reading through what the comments were, searching for a person that looked like they could use a little bit of assistance, mm-hmm. and trying to find a way to connect with them, try to find a way to make their day, uh, and just always being on the look for that opportunity to assist a person with, and to do it in such a way where uh, it was covert, if anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to be, how should I put it? uh, uh, Very direct and, Hey, you know, I can take care of that for you. uh, You know, in, in making public comments. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. The, The goal is to connect with people and to solve their problems Ideally, in a way where 
they don't even necessarily know it was you, mm-hmm. right? To just become a contributor to the overall community. Because I think that in the process of seeking recognition, we end up spoiling the, the true reward. Yeah. Because what that means is it means we're acting in a much more selfish way versus in uh, a more altruistic way, trying to benefit the people around us in the community as a whole. Yeah. Have you um, read The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's a fantastic book, super short read. Um, and one of the... And one of the seven laws is the more you give, the more you'll get back. And it's not a matter of like showing people you're giving. Like, no. you know, it's not saying I donated this much money to this foundation and using it as a placard or anything like that. But it's just the idea of the more you give out and not worried about what comes back to you, the more you will end up getting. Because one, you become a person that people want to be around just because that's positive energy that is surrounded by it. But also that is how the world works. It's give and take. And if all you do is take, you're, it's going to stop. It, it becomes known. Yeah, Hannah, yeah. I completely agree with that. Uh, and I noticed in some of the, the prep work you sent, you know, to, you know, what's a book that really uh, was useful? Uh, mm-hmm. The one I was going to mention is called The Go-Giver. Okay. And uh, I haven't read the one that you mentioned, but I'm guessing that there's there's a lot of similar concepts in there. And it, it really uh, tends to provide interesting examples of how finding a way to improve someone else's life without looking for direct recognition or compensation, and if you make that a habit, mm-hmm. eventually, for some reason that sometimes can defy explanation, the things that you do just resonate with that right person that uh, they almost feel obligated to do something nice in return. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is sometimes those nice things in return cost the giver almost nothing, Mm -hmm. but bring a tremendous amount of value to the receiver. Yes. And you can't easily ask for these things. These are things that are only available uh, to a person that has inspired the giver to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. So it, it begins with the giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll have to write that book down too and check it out for sure because it sounds kind of similar. Like did that at least that one concept in there, but probably dives more into it on, you know, the the bigger ways of how it all works and like, you know, just how to let go of the idea of needing that recognition, I think, becomes a big thing. Yeah. It, that that was another milestone for me because, mm-hmm. you know, again, as a younger person, I think like many people, I was certainly seeking recognition. And, you know, just to, to make sure that we're clear, it's not that that's completely gone away. I don't think mm-hmm. it ever will. But it became much more clear that if that's your driving force and your motivation, you're not necessarily going to fail, but you're not going to become successful. And if you are, it's going to be by climbing over other people's backs and you're going to have to be constantly looking over yours. And if you're trying to run fast in any direction, 
if you're looking over your shoulder, you're either going to trip or you're going to run into something and it's not going to be fun. Whereas if we can just let the whole pursuit of recognition go and focus more on, okay, how can I ensure that the people around me, whether they're people working for me or people that I'm working with or just other people that I associate with, how can I find ways to make their day? Mm-hmm. And not even necessarily where they know I'm the person behind it. Because how when, when I understood that better, it almost became a bit of a game. Mm-hmm. Okay, like hide and seek. Can I do something for this person that I actually really like? Something that I know is going to be impactful for them without them knowing it was me. Hmm. Yeah. And then watch and see. And it became very satisfying to succeed in the way where you actually are successful in not getting the recognition for doing something that makes that person's life better. Okay. It's actually much, much harder to do it that way. And I think the overall result is more impactful because then the person feels a little bit off balance, but in the best sort of way where I don't know why this happened. It was really amazing. It's exactly what I was looking for. I still don't understand why it happened. That person's not negative in that moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're inspired. And what are they inspired to do? They're inspired to share their joy and happiness with someone else. And this is the whole concept of paying it forward. Mm -hmm. But the key differentiator here is it's without the desire or the drive to receive the recognition. Yes. Awesome. Well, I know we are almost out of time. <laughs> I just looked down. And I was like, okay, we have one more minute and I want to try to respect well, it. We're probably okay. going to go over a minute. So I apologize. Um, I do have two questions. One of them is when do you sleep? When do I sleep? <laughs> Because <laughs> most people are like, talk about a 5 a.m. And I love that you're not talking about getting up at 5 a.m. But yep. if you start working sometimes at 1030 to work on those projects and say it takes three or four hours, you know, when are you getting that sleep? It's a difficult one because I sleep when I feel like I've I've had a day that I've earned the right to go to sleep. Uh, sometimes I just, I have to force myself to go to sleep because I've got mm-hmm. commitments earlier in the day. But uh, I sleep the best when I can look over my shoulder and I can see that, yes, I got these important things done. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like I can allow myself to lose consciousness and prepare myself for the next day. That's an interesting way to do it, but all right. (laughs) And then the last question I have for you, if someone is listening to this right now that does not have a routine and they, you know, want to start that first step of establishing, you know, clearing out their email box. What are those steps they need to take to put that routine into their life to create those boundaries? For me, one of the most impactful things is just like uh, going to the gym with a workout friend. Okay. You feel obligated to not let that person down. Make a commitment to someone else Mm -hmm. and hold yourself accountable to them and empower them to hold you accountable for doing what you say you're going to do. Because now 
you're accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So creating that accountability. I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much, George, for sharing, you know, everything that you've shared. So your routine, success, you know, you know, even deeper things on how you look at success and how to give back to people to, you know, helping your team and creating that culture that they want to work in. So thank you for sharing all of that. Super impactful. And I'm excited to re-listen to this episode. <laughs> um, but thanks for being on the show. Well, I really appreciate you having me on your podcast, Hannah. Uh, I think uh, routines are essential to achieving what matters to you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Success is Routine podcast. If you found value in this episode, share it with a friend. Episodes go live weekly on Sunday at 8 a.m. Start your week with the right routine. Like, follow, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening. Join the Success is Routine movement and get exclusive downloads and content from the guests. Go to www.successisroutine.com and follow the conversation there or on social media. Until next time, remember, this network of people in your life uh, surrounding any successful person, they're the unsung heroes that just aren't seen or visible. It's become clear to me that success is, success is not a business that makes a lot of money. That's a benchmark, okay? Success is the ability to do the things that matter to you. Consistently do these things, we develop these skills and we understand the nuance of whatever it is that we are routinely engaging in. If I was going to achieve the things that I aspired to achieve, to be able to you know, travel the place I wanted to go, to be able to create the things I wanted to be working on that just had whatever it might be, the appeal, I had to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And a big part of responsibility is accountability. 